So I was just thinking about the various different ways that we view the world and how wrong or, you know, possibly right in terms of the explanations that we actually get. And I was thinking about, I'm listening to a, a podcast right now about sort of the history of, of economics, um, you know, sort of shorthanded history of economics and how it sort of sways back and forth between you know, starting out with a sort of very theoretical perspective and then becoming a lot more mathematical, um, you know, evolving from uh, uh, an idea of physics and using equations and being very mathematical um, towards, you know, a little bit more modern stuff that is more inclusive of really unusual ideas that are uh, being borrowed from biology, for example, um, and sort of evolutionary biology. And it's really quite fascinating how we grapple with trying to figure out what this sort of abstract thing we call an economy actually is and how it actually functions. It's really just a figment in our imagination to begin with. Anyways, if you start thinking about it, you know, we sort of depict things as buyers and sellers and we have this sort of imaginary thing called a market and we try to make sense of that modern day sort of society. We don't necessarily have a market the way that it is depicted as a sort of street market where you go around and pick things based on different vendors. Um, and that doesn't necessarily exist in most places. It's usually, that's a pretty unusual place. And instead we have much more complicated things like amazon.com, for example, that is really just one organization that tries to mimic some of these market properties. Um, or, you know, we have much of our businesses done online. We, in, before we might've had something like a mall, which was kind of like a market, but kind of not because everything was really cookie cutter and standardized and we didn't haggle over prices and all of this kind of stuff is really quite fascinating that we're trying to make sense of this, this reality using these, these terminologies that just don't quite work. They don't quite map on to what is going on in terms of how we feel about things. And, and even within an organization, which is, you know, I, I, as a strategy person, that's what I study. I kind of sort of bounce around between outside, looking at the outside of an organization and inside of an organization. Um, and even in, the, in this sort of description of how we understand insides of organizations, it's terrible. Like they're a really almost like a pathetic way of describing, you know, there's one, one way that we describe the inside of organizations that is very uh, almost, you know, corrupt, I guess, where we have, you know, political uh, coalitions, we have, you know, people trying to, um, you know, cause problems, all of these kind of ways. And then, and then on another side, sort of the opposite side of, of, of the literature we've got, you know, it's almost very hunky-dory 
um, kumbaya stuff where people are sitting around trying to make everybody else better. Um, and, you know, that's, that's probably a little bit more on some of the, um, you know, some of the stuff that we understand organizational behavior where, you know, the, the, the ideal is um, everybody getting, coming together to sort of, um, to, to pursue a particular goal. And we get together and, and we do a good job of that. Um, but, you know, for the most part, all of these things are very descriptive um, in the sense that they are not really describing the nature of what's going on very well. And they do a very almost pathetic job of mapping on the real world and what the real world looks like. Now, um, I am very being, you know, very critical of this, but the reason why I'm critical of it is because it doesn't map my reality very well. And, um, but that doesn't mean that I can't do better, right? That doesn't mean I can do better, right? I'm just saying like, my reality is a lot more complicated than the sort of depictions of how we understand uh, the world around us and the, the way that it's described. My reality is far different than, than what is being described. And, and the, the fact is, is that nobody's reality is going to be described very well with any of these theories or with any of the descriptions that we have of what things look like. And, you know, here's the thing, we're, we can explain one phenomenon really well, and that's usually what happens, is that we can explain a certain phenomenon quite well and being very specific, but then when we move to a different area in a different, um, you know, a different, different domain of what a business looks like. When we move from, say, internal of an organization in Silicon Valley to, you know, an organization in the, the, the heartland of, of Canada, it was different worlds and they operate very differently and they have many different assumptions on what, you know, is the, the ultimate goal a corner store is really different than, or I guess, um, you know, a bodega, I guess, is, is another term for it, is very different than how, um, you know, how a multinational company actually operates. And we're expected to sort of depict this um, in a way that, that it maps onto everything. And now, of course, we have incentives that encourage researchers to just look at the multinationals. Nobody's going to look at the corner stores because, you know, nobody's paying them. There's no money there. There, it is. Um, it's unexciting because you're not making a big impact on this world because you're not looking at, you know, multinational corporations and all this kind of stuff. Um, so. When you start looking at this and you start sort of going into different crevices, you just look at something slightly different. Um, you know, maybe you look at the sex trade, for example, and the business of the sex trade, you'll realize it's far different than what is going on in other parts. And the reason is, is you know, we're often not describing the, the world very well. 
And this gives me a tremendous amount of hope for science um, because it tells me when I start looking at my world and what I do and how it just, all of the theories that I know of just do not map well to my own life. Um, it gives me a lot of encouragement where I start thinking of, you know, we've got a long ways to go. How we understand the world is very superficial in a lot of ways. And part of that, the sort of superficial understanding is, I think, and is my own view, is part of its snobbery. Because we don't think that ordinary and plain and you know simple explanations is good enough we have to have some really abstract theoretical explanation and you know that sort of that 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 avoids looking at ordinary things in ordinary ways i'm very much um critical and i have always been very critical of the way that we view the, the um, you know the world around us in these very superficial ways, I remember first year engineering just being so upset with physics problems because they would assume a way they would have a massless frictionless pulley, and there would be like no assumptions of what real life would be, and it would drive me bananas, but. You know, I, I understand why they do that to have a, a you know base case sort of this is the best possible option, and then you sort of build in those other assumptions later on as you get more complicated. But you know, the 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 fact is is that we don't understand the world really well, and we don't understand how things operate very well, which gives us so much room to explore and do cool things. People think science is dead, and we're running out of ideas. I think like. Are you crazy? Have you tried any, have looked at any real world thing? And you start looking at the, all of the possible explanations. You're like, they, the explanations are not great. They don't explain everything. Now, I think people that sort of believe that, that the, we're running out of ideas, don't, are not in the nitty gritty of it. They're not sort of looking at something in, in you know, plain, plain view. I just simply think, why not? So, so you know, take a step back, right? Um, something very simple, like puddle, um, rain, rain puddle, um, you know, biology, is probably not very well understood. And when you start start taking a look at that, so you look at maybe the microorganisms that that run that live in rain puddles maybe you look at um you know what happens when there's 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 you know oil from the road and in, in rain puddles maybe you look at you know how rain puddles that the mud sort of emulsifies in it like you look at all these different angles and different ways of thinking about it you realize that a rain puddle a simple rain puddle just this little tiny thing is very complicated and very interesting and then you can sort of com combine different angles of this and look at maybe you look at the surface tension of a rain puddle and you see how that affects the biology 
of, uh, you know, the microorganisms that are in it. And, and you start like looking at these different things, you realize we know nothing. We really do not know anything. And you might think like, why do we need to understand a rain puddle and all of this stuff about a rain puddle? It's because it is symptomatic of many larger things, but also that is that there is a lot of complex dynamics that happen in a rain puddle that can explain many things. If we understand how surface tension affects microorganisms, for example, and we can explain all of the different microorganisms based on the relationship of surf surface tension, um, we can have some really cool things that are going on in many different areas. And we can start having a conversation about, you know, a whole new field. Or, you know, you look at what are some out outside influences on this rain puddle and, and maybe the how quickly it evaporates affects the the amount of microorganisms in it. Like all there's just amazing things that you can think about that are just vitally important. And we think that the world is is all solved and science is all is solved. No. We've got unbelievable amounts of stuff to solve and to ponder about and think about that we're just really starting to be honest. We really are. The way that we look at the world in this sort of scientific way is really only 100 years old, maybe 150 years old tops, but really it's probably more like 50 or 60 years old of sort of mainstream science, the way that we understand it with real legitimate scientists studying the world. I mean, we just have so much that we can discover and think about, and the world is, is truly amazing. Um, we just simply have to start looking at the stuff. So, you know, coming back to this explanations of, of you know, how the economy works, um, these explanations are all novice. They're all really not great. And the fact is, we just don't, we still don't know. We still can explain things in many different ways. We still have a lot to discover. And we simply have to just get going with it and make these discoveries, push these things out, really have fun. And, and, and you know, just, just explore the way that we are, we are kids and we try to extend that as long as we possibly can. Because, man, the world is far complicated than anybody ever thinks. But you know what? You have to have that strength to go and keep exploring and keep having fun and being excited about the world. All right. Take care. And have a wonderful day.